What's up, Jay Browns? Live from Toronto, Ontario, and Kansas City, Missouri, this is the Torture Racked Podcast. I am your host, Mark Basque. My co-host is John F. Malta, and we are very happy to be here with you, our friends in wrestling. John, say something. Let the people know we're alive, pal. Dude, has it been two months or one month? It's been one month. It's Was been Full Gear the last episode? Don't ask me questions. I don't have the answers right in front of me. How do we both not know? <laughs> um, yeah, it's been a it's been a minute. It was Full uh, Gear, Power Struggle, back. Survivor Series '98. Wow. Yeah. Well, I guess because it's the last episode was a Full Gear episode, it makes it seem like it was two months ago since Full Gear was the beginning of November, and Power Struggle. Yeah, seems like a world away. Uh, but yeah, I'm in Kansas City now. We we had quite a bit of a delay in recording. For a multitude of reasons, when I moved across, well, halfway across the country, uh, and I'm now based in Kansas City, uh, and Mark had some audio, uh, some of his recording equipment is busted, so we had to. Yeah, I, I don't want to. I don't want to badmouth the Scarlet TTY, but fuck that thing. I don't. I need to get that fixed. So right now, I'm actually recording on my on my iPhone headphones. This is a little bit of an experiment. Uh, hopefully this sounds okay uh, the audio quality will probably not be as close to crisp as it normally is but we wanted to get one more episode in for 2020 because it's been this is our 20th episode my friend this is the 20th episode congratulations uh, <laughs> congrats what, to you what a, what a ride what a wild ride uh, usually we'd be doing a clip show right now of all our greatest moments but we did want to catch up on some of the stuff uh, that's been going on in December and also, yeah, just talk a little, a little bit about the uh, uh, current affairs. This week, we got the very sad news of the passing of uh, Mr. John Huber, also known as AW's Brody Lee, at the terribly young age of 41. And I think uh, I speak for everyone at Torture Rack that we were just completely blindsided and, you know, devastated by this. Somebody who, you know always had so much potential and, you know, finally seemed like he was going to be in a place where he'd be able to explore that and really have a lot of room to, to grow. Um, it's, it's just so sad that we didn't really get a chance to spend that much time with him. Um, but the time that we yeah. did was fantastic. And, you know, his, he, he turned the dark order around, like it was not in great shape before him. And he helped lay the comedic sensibility for the dark order that's on like BTE and in that short time that he was at AEW, he made such an impression on so many people. There were so many heartfelt messages. It's been, I can't remember the last time I've saw, seen so many wrestlers go on Twitter to, to share really kind words. Dude, and his, yeah, just like thinking about one of the things I've been thinking a lot about uh, in regards to his work is like, I feel like in a lot of ways, uh, his trajectory from WWE to being kind of uh, just left on the shelf for that year. And then his big debut on AEW, uh, it kind of tracks the time frame we've been watching wrestling together. Uh, like I remember being excited about the Bludgeon Brothers together and that seeming like this cool new wild thing. Like when they were doing those like pre promos, like what is this going to be with him and Rowan where they were like kind of these big destroyers and then, yeah, I just remember reading a lot of like uh, uh, articles and uh, sort of 
interviews with him online between the Bludgeon Brothers and the debut of Mr. Brody Lee, where Brody Lee was speaking about wanting to wrestle. Like that's he just yeah. wanted to wrestle. And I remember there was that WrestleMania that he wasn't booked on and he wasn't even in the Battle Royal where he like a post about having to wrestle at Access, but wanting to put on the best match at Access uh, since that's where he was booked. And I I thought of that a lot recently just because that's such a cool mindset to have. It's a shame that that's the position that he was put in. But then conversely, so great that he did get his time in AEW before it was too late. Like, yeah. He was clearly going to be someone who was going to be a world champion within the next, over the next like couple of years, who knows what their long-term plans are for Kenny, the collector, and you know everyone else that's sort of in the main event picture. But like a, ma- a dominant Brody Lee as world champion seemed like something that we would potentially see see you know sooner than later. Yeah, uh, no doubt. Great matches in WWE when I was watching for the Intercontinental Title article, and he was like this destroyer in several ladder matches, and I was like. I had no idea that he was so good. And I was like, wow, this guy is massively underused because he is an absolute beast in the ring. And like you said, like Bludgeon Brothers looked like it was going to be awesome, but WWE didn't really have any idea what to do with him. He was like so close into being uh, entered into the main event uh, at 33. I think it was with Randy and uh, Bray. He was like fighting for it. And I was like, are they actually going to pull the trigger on this and like give Luke Harper a big push? And of course they didn't because they're, they're not interested in building anyone new, just elevating Randy Orton. Um, so yeah, like him coming to W to AW like was so, so cool. The reveal was so cool. You know, we had some, we weren't sure about his character a little bit. I think the more he leaned out of the Vince McMahonisms, the better, the more he was like his idiosyncratic self, like, going to the back, getting really mad. I know a lot of this is on BT, but like getting mad that Hangman wasn't uh, that was great. brought into yeah. the Dark Order and like throwing yeah. the papers and stuff. Yeah, but, smacking Uno in the face of papers and just kind of like really coming into that like Mr. Brody Lee character and then becoming a dominant world uh, dominant TNT champion where he elevated like 10 people that know most people, even you and I who pay pretty close attention to wrestling we weren't very familiar with anybody in the dark order uh, prior to AEW and, you know, going back and watching those original AEW shows and seeing like what the the shape they were in as like creepers where they made like weird arm movements and kind of like scampered to the ring and were like the dudes that like were hyped about were like Uno's throne a year and a half ago. Yes, absolutely. Like he, he was definitely the the ballast. He was yeah, the ballast like, that like really like grounded them, and he had at least yeah. two great matches uh, in AEW. Obviously, there was the really cool squash against Cody. I'm not like um, considering that, but that was an amazing moment. Just seeing Cody absolutely destroyed. Uh, by oh my somebody. god, dude! Yeah, totally. Just a classic. I mean, I know, like, yeah, just like seeing him win it so fast. Yeah, it was it was it was pretty pretty wild. But obviously, he faced uh, against Mox uh, at Double or Nothing, and was like we had a pretty good idea that mox was going to win but he was very convincing as a competitor like he was dominating a lot of that match and only got taken out after the paradigm shift on the um through the entrance through the entrance ramp (laughs) like he like mox was kind of getting like outdone by him a little bit and yeah one of my favorite matches of the year was the cody versus brody dog collar match on dynamite like i i still think about spots in that of like cody 
pulling Brody off of it and then doing the um, cutter. Yeah, the yeah. cutter through the table and Brody like um, power bombing him through the table at ringside and stuff. Uh, I have a feeling that's a match we're going to be kind of going back to a lot uh, and watching. Yeah, um, absolutely, classic match. Yeah, it's it's really just so incredible to think about the effect that he's had in such a short amount of time and the circumstances too. He debuted like right at the break of like right as COVID like really like took over the world and throughout COVID really elevated everyone in the dark order and may and now like we're all excited to see like. I mean, I remember, like, if you go back to, like, earlier um, episodes of this podcast, we, like, jokingly are like, oh, are you so excited to see 10 wrestle? But, like, tomorrow <laughs> I'm really excited to see, like, yes. all of them wrestle. Like, I'm so, it's so cool that AEW is doing this memorial show that they let his son book his dream match. And we're going to see Cody and Orange Cassidy and 10 yeah. all <laughs> against <laughs> Team Taz. Together. Like, I can't wait. That's going to be yeah. awesome. Yeah, before this uh, before this airs, there is also going to be um, the the Dynamite tribute show to, to Brody. So we're, that's going to be tomorrow. So by the time you're listening to this, it will have already happened, but we haven't seen it yet. But uh, we are very much looking forward to it. And uh, yeah, just so sad. You know, he it just seemed like he was at the beginning of of his of his story at AEW. Yeah. So truly, it's hard not to just see him like as like cruelly cut by fate and like this guy who's got like two young kids and stuff. Yeah. Just, it's just so like, just so hard to see such a nice guy gone way too soon, but really left an impression and left us with some incredible matches. Uh, yeah. We have another match recommendation from, uh, Thomas. Yeah. Uh, which is Shingo versus, sorry, Shingo Takagi versus Brody Lee in dragon gate. So if you're looking for some more, Brody Lee slash John Huber matches to watch in these days. You've already seen all the AW ones. Give this one a look. Absolutely. One of the biggest moments uh, in AW was the debut of Brody Lee as the lead of the Dark Order. And John, you had the pleasure of actually drawing that for an article uh, with Complex Magazine, which were the top 10 dynamite moments. Uh, and you can check that out at complex.com uh, <laughs> slash sports yeah, slash 2020. <laughs> Just kidding. Long, long, uh, <laughs> uh, URL to read out loud. Uh, yeah, well, search like AEW Complex. There's a couple. They, they uh, have done a couple of different articles featuring various aspects of the uh, AEW roster and different things that AEW, great things that AEW has done over the last year. Um, huge thank you to Jarrett at Complex for uh, the art direction and uh, assignment. It really, I think, is my favorite package of illustrations that I've done. Yeah, I worked on it over like the month from October to about like mid-October mid to November, like mid-November. So while we and Thomas were watching Dynamite, I was working on these drawings. You know, while Full Gear was going on, I was working on the details of the big opening image and that that image is yeah uh it kind of features a lot of the big moments that are talked about uh in the top 10 dynamite moments in this article uh and yeah it was really fun going through the roster and really trying to um capture everyone's likenesses but then also remain true to how i illustrate figures and characters like i've done a few likenesses here and there but i think this is the most likenesses i've drawn in one like package 
before. Speaking uh, of drawing likenesses and adapting, but keeping it like to your style, I think the coolest example of that for me is the Darby Allen drawing where uh, you. you like literally, he has obviously like Darby's got the, the face paint that are just kind of like the skull face paint, but like John has drawn him. So that like half of his rib cage is coming out of, his body and his like his arm is coming out of his uh I, I, why am i so bad at explaining this right now half of him is a skeleton yeah yeah i mean that's how i think that's how darby in my mind that's how darby sees himself and i like with someone like that like given the fact that so much of my my own personal like comics and illustration work veers into like halloween imagery and you know darby literally has skeleton tattoos it's like yeah of course they got to make darby an actual skeleton and yeah, it's so cool, like, drawing that moment, uh, Darby, the number four moment is Darby Allen attacks Swift Jericho with the skateboard, and just in general, like, uh, thinking about the year Darby has had, it's so cool that he's the TNT champion right now, and in, intertwined into that story is Sting. Yeah, uh, that's super cool. It, isn't it weird, like, it's like, they're they're really doing it now, they're they're putting the belts on, like, relatively unknown people. Like, for a while, they were, you know, it was just, like, Jericho and uh, Cody Rhodes and stuff. Um, right. It's, it's really cool to see, like, them actually, like, all right, here we go. We're building up new stars now. This is the beginning of, of Darby, Darby Allen's like, I don't know, like, mainstream career, basically. Uh, it's going to be really cool to see, like, what that's like in, like, three years, like, how established some of these guys are um, in people's imaginations. Like, I think of MJF, too. As someone who's already yeah. sort of being talked about, you know, was written up in the New York Times as like one of the. I I, I don't know why. Uh, I feel like he, it was the article was. Um... Oh, I know why it was the best performances, but I'm not yeah. sure exactly why that moment was the one it that captured great, the imagination. It was a great moment though, like thinking about like live TV production, uh, that that. Uh, I mean, the musical number between him and Jericho, I think, was the, of the quality of something that you would see on like SNL or like an like. It's really the only other live. I think you're being very generous people. with the quality, but I did appreciate the attempt uh, at the time. I don't know, man. Have you watched some recent SNLs? I feel like it's like on on par with like stuff that I've seen on there. Maybe uh, Lana on SNL. Um, <laughs> did you have a favorite uh, illustration to draw or a favorite person to draw out of? Uh... Man, I I don't know. I mean, it's hard to. I had the most fun drawing the large image and figuring out how and who to focus on and why. Uh, and then, like conversely, like a lot of the big action sequences really like fun to draw. Like uh, Kenny and Pac. Like Pac's hair is so watery and like like always drenched in water. So to like figure out how to like draw that in a really thin line was really fun. And then some of the other moments that I where I like really got into the details of like uh like the parking lot brawl where uh Trent and Chucky e. T are uh you know driving P and P through a table and onto a car with glass shattering. That's uh, awesome. I, I think fun. the Brody Lee one is so cool the way that you like I don't know how to describe like it. Dark Dark Order Yeah, the, uh, the tendrils of the Dark Order logo sort of turn those red and like uh sort of extend them behind them. Like that looks really yeah, that Freaking was like, sick. I think that's the actually final thing that I drew. I had the whole package done and Brody Lee clotheslining Chris Daniels was just, there was no background to it. It was just that. And I was like looking at it for a while. I was like, there needs to be something else here, sort of similar to the um, 
maybe like the Riho illustration where there's the like stardom sort of like confetti everywhere. Yes. And uh, the, the mocks the where there's just kind of like the broken like a stuff. More like, you know, kind of playing into the concrete rose uh, aesthetic. Uh, yeah. So yeah, I, I, I added that dark, dark Order logo to the background. And yeah, I'm glad that I got to draw Brody in that moment. Yeah, huge, huge thanks again to Jared at Complex. Yeah, really sick project. I just want to say just the other thing. It, I love how much Orange Cassidy stands out as being like someone wearing sunglasses in your world oh that's funny yeah he like sticks um, out like a like completely because where you're supposed to see that void you see like those sort of black shaded lines on the uh yeah i also just like i don't know why but the mjf drawing with cody makes me laugh so hard like he's on the left on the right and on the left he's like hitting him but it oh yeah you yeah. can't These people have told me that well, yeah, you just can't see the velocity, right? He's just kind of like <laughs> leaned into him, and then Cody's on the ground. And he's like, "Yeah!" So just to see those back to back is really funny. But um, MJF also looks very at home in your in your style. Although I don't think I've seen anyone um, rocking Burberry before in a John F. No. Malta illustration. Yeah, usually a like a grimy old studded leather jacket, <laughs> dude. You know, one thing that keeps happening while we're recording that I keep getting distracted by uh, is Porky. Oh, our newest uh, listener. And, yeah, and for those of you that don't know, Porky is uh, my a new fucking dog, tiny man. dog. He's very small. He weighs eight pounds. He's like he half chihuahua, half beagle or something, right? Yeah, yeah. Like, we think beagle or like Italian greyhound because his face is very like slender. I'll tell you, um, I don't like chihuahuas, but I like this dog. He's got the right, I mean, a good, yeah. he's got a good other half. Yes, yes, absolutely. And I, I don't think I ever imagined having a chihuahua, but I love this dog. And uh, he, he, um, we got him from a humane society, and he has had separation anxiety in his crate at night. Uh, and he was um, extracted from like the hoarding scenario. So Javon and I started thinking about like the fact that he really has never been in silence. So like at night we would put him in his crate and it would be like, you know, dead silent in our apartment because we'd be sleeping. There would be no noise uh, and had the thought to put this podcast on for him while he sleeps. So yeah. So you said the first couple of nights he was like really like, like thrashing and whining, whining and scratching and a lot. Yeah. And then you put it on and he's been silent ever since. Yeah. He just goes to bed. He actually goes into his crate now. Uh, and then we just put it on every night. So Por- Porky is juicing our numbers. He is juicing the numbers, and also he's proving what I've always said, which is that Torture Rack is a perfect sleep aid. Yeah, he's going to really be excited to meet you when uh, <laughs> we, when I'm allowed back into Canada. And Dude, uh, I'm going to go up to him, he's going to look at me, he's going to be like, who are you? And then I'm going to be like, what's up, Jay Brones? And he's going <laughs> to shit his pants. He's going to start rubbing himself all over you. <laughs> he's like, oh my like god! A- he's going to fan <laughs> out. Like, we just met Dave Meltzer or something like that. Yeah, that's really funny. So uh, uh, another thing that came out in December was the Wrestle Kingdom 15 card. So I thought we could have a look at this and, and talk yeah, about our feelings. Dude, have you watched any New Japan since Power Struggle? And did you watch Power Struggle when we talked about it? <laughs> <laughs> no, I did not watch. Remember, I watched... New Japan content you watched, the G1? Yes. I mean, I watched a so little bit of Power of... Struggle, but it was all fucking the same. Yeah, you went like full tilt, like nonstop G1... So about 40 hours of New Japan content in a month 
you know, I, I followed, have followed New Japan pretty, like, religiously. Uh, and, you know, to have Naito as double champion is all I ever wanted to see in New Japan. But now that he is, my interest in New Japan hasn't been, like, lower because of the different choices that have been made yeah i don't think you could blame naito on that i think um, no no absolutely not i guess the way i frame that makes it sound like it's naito's fault uh no it's absolutely the storylines he's been definitely i i think it's definitely evil uh it's evil uh his lack of quality of matches and his lack of um good booking just being sort of like a heel who can't win like we've said a hundred times like jay white comes across as somebody who can win uh, and Evil seems like someone who can who can only win with cheating. Jay White seems like he uses it as a security, uh, but Evil uses it as a security blanket. So I would say th- that is that is the difference. But um, yeah, like going back to like the beginning of the year, like Naito winning the belts. That Naito versus Okada match is one of my favorite matches from this year. And then the match that he had with Kenta at New Beginning that was like really bloody was so good. Uh, and it seemed like the, this year was going to be like a, a year of very sick Naito matches. And I, you know, I feel like you have to cut them some slack with COVID, but at the same time, it's like, we did, did we really need to see Evil versus Naito the amount of times? Like, how many times did we see them wrestle each other between. At least four times. From the New Japan Cup when Evil won. Like, all the big pay per views, like, all, I guess all of the pay per views except Wrestle Kingdom and New Beginning were dedicated to the two of them. Yeah. Which constantly we are, we and everyone wants long-term stories with like payoffs, but I feel like this is one that is not really connecting. Well, we've talked about it before. There's a difference between just booking the same match over and over again and a long-term story. Um, And also just not really escalating the match. We've talked about people doing series of matches, but there being some escalation, Um, you know, when it's it's not like a work-rate classic like uh, Omega Okada like throwing some steps in there to like, to keep it fresh. Um, they haven't really been doing that. No. And I think the well, and obviously, well, evil one, you know, or talked about this. I don't want to back. Obviously that was a standlessly that Dick Togo is the main problem. Honestly, I like, don't even want to like you said, Dick Togo. And I'm like, can yeah. we change topics? Yeah. Can we just, I don't, can I we don't. just go back to wrestle kingdom? <laughs> like, I don't want to talk about I, this. I have the main, Card open and the first night match, Naito versus Ibushi should be great. Naito uh, versus Ibushi should be great. It is a fucking travesty. This is not night two. Ibushi won two goddamn you, main events. Who do you think wins at the end of this? I think Ibushi? I think Ibushi wins this match because otherwise, what the fuck has been his story? I mean, like the end of the weekend though. Who's walking away with both belts? I would have like if we're talking about something that makes sense. I I would say it has to be Ibushi. Like I, I don't, I don't think that we need to extend Naito's reign here. I don't see why. Um, so I think he's the least likely to win. Um, if they really wanted to swerve and just go for like a big heel move, like Jay White would be the guy to do it with. Um, but if Abushi doesn't like win the like this first match, I'm gonna be furious. <laughs> like wins two G ones and then doesn't get to main event Wrestle Kingdom. Like go fuck yourself. Main eventing night one is not main eventing. I'm just saying that. No, I, def- I definitely also just from how it was from being there uh, this year at Russell Kingdom 14, it definitely felt like uh, night one was like almost like the pre-show to night two. And it was because that's like the, the winners of it was it was positioned in a way a better way where it's like the winners 
of each match from night one went on to face each other on night two. Yeah. And the losers fought each other also. So Jay White and Ibushi lost last year and fought each other on night two. Who won? Jay White, I think. My God. Poor Ibushi. I'm pretty sure Jay White won that, yeah. It seems pretty unlikely it's going to be a Naito-Jay White final, right? What I don't do you think? think so at all. No. Yeah. Yeah, what... Uh, like, that would make sense to me. Ibushi wins it from Naito and then gets to defend it against the evil Jay White and stands tall at the end. Well, and knowing that the two of them faced each other on night two last year, I think, makes a lot of sense. Like, the fact that Ibushi and Jay White faced each other last year. Jay White, I just looked it up. Jay White did win yeah. uh, last it, year. Ibushi and Jay White makes sense as a big heel face as, like, the future. Like, we're now entering the next generation of... Yeah. Like past the Okada generation into the Ibushi generation, so we have Ibushi, we have Jay White, we have Will Ospreay, um, probably eventually Shingo. Yes, I think so. Shingo at the moment, I think with how he has been just hovering around the Never Belt, is like, I think he's too much of a character to sort of become Ishii. Right. Like his the la- like just his whole presence and presentation is like screams world champion. Yeah, he can't just be forever. Ishii's upper a brawler, and yeah. like in like as much as I am a fan of him, I also see why other people are getting the spot over him. And yeah, he's not a charisma giant or anything like that. Um, no, he just puts on sick matches. <clears throat> Next match, uh, Okada Osprey. We don't have to talk a lot about this because we talked about it last episode, sick, but yeah. ca- absolutely cannot wait. Love the story going into it that Osprey wants to like defeat Okada and sort of be the new number one. Yep. Uh, he's even though Okada's kind of like on the back burner at the moment. Uh, o- o- Osprey Okada also had my favorite match of the G1. Uh, although Dude, that match was ridiculous. Naito, yeah. Naito Tanahashi was not very far behind as well as, you know, Shingo Ishii. And possibly um, Suzuki Nagata, if I'm not mistaken. I don't think you're mistaken. So yeah, that match is going to be really good. Uh, I Osprey is most likely going to win, right? We should we should do like a prediction pool with Thomas. Yeah, uh, I I don't know. I don't know. I hope so. I think Osprey probably wins it just with the way that they're booking it's the the Empire at the moment, especially given the fact that the next match is Tanahashi v Great Okan. Yeah, so what do you think Okan wins that as well? Like I I like his costume, but I don't like that the question mark covering his face. It kind of makes it look like Tanahashi's facing vacant. Like I don't know. Yeah. It's I, funny, I didn't like it at first, but now I'm like warming up to it and thinking it's actually like pretty fucking sick. Um, yeah, I don't like the question mark, but I like the I like the face being covered. I think that's cool. But like, I'm interested in this match. Like, I don't know how these two will clash. Like, I haven't seen them, but uh, we yeah, we both enjoyed his match. The uh, his match with Okada. Uh, yep. that was part of that was what you watched in Power Struggle. I think you might have only yep. watched that. That's exactly right. Um, now I, it, to- I, 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 I I I don't know. I am interested to see this match too, just in terms of the fact. I think it's like not the most exciting use of Tanahashi for who he is, but it also is like I feel like a lot of like what you and I clamor for in WWE when we watch WWE, where it's like, why aren't there established people 
like if Great Okan wins this, which maybe he will, maybe he won't, and if he doesn't, then maybe Osprey Tanahashi feud, and that'll be great. But like, let their like legends face like these new people. Great yeah, that's Okan what it looks like at the top three here. Tanahashi can can lay down to Okan, Okada can lay down to Osprey, and Naito can lay down to Ibushi, and sort of like none of them will really be affected by it, and it'll sort of move stories forward in a nice way we have kenta who's putting his u.s championship contract on the line he's basically just the u.s champion at this point he's basically the just moment, defending yeah. the u.s champion in john moxley's stead but um i don't know much about uh, kojima bread club man uh he it'll be good uh he's like I, he oftentimes you don't know him because he's slotted in a lot of the uh six, six men so is this another men. like Older guy going to lay down to Kenta? I don't think Kojima's winning this. Okay. Yeah, no. So yeah, it seems like there's uh, a theme here on uh, night you, one. You will like this match, right? He, it's very like, yeah. I think it'll be, it'll be, it's not, I'm not excited about it, just in terms of like. I'm excited about seeing, like looking at this guy's face, I want to see him get kicked by Kenta a bunch of times. <laughs> he looks like <laughs> he's going to make a great like expression. Knowing, knowing Kojima's. Kojima's matches are good. There's nothing wrong with them. I just feel like it's not the most exciting. Trying to, it's like I don't know who to compare him to on like a different roster. Like I, I feel like he's does like, he is he like a Nagata? Good, but it's like he seems like a Nagata. Yes, that's a good at least New Japan yeah. uh, analog. Yeah, for sure. We have uh, Suzuki Goon or Taichi Goon defending against uh, Tamatonga Tamaloa. God versus Zack Saber Jr. and Taichi. Dangerous Techers. Dangerous Techers, thank you. I could not remember their name. Um, it's the weirdest fucking name. I have no idea what that means. I I mean... I actually have never questioned it and accept it and think it makes sense, but I also, yeah. Seems like a G.O.D. has three on Taichi Goon, so I would probably give it to Saber and Taichi to retain. I don't know. Yeah, this match is not that exciting to me. Yeah. I would like to see Zack Sabre Jr. break off and be like a singles person. Tai Chi and him both, I feel like, are kind of... Sabre, he's another guy who's going to be at the top of the card, along with the people both, we were both mentioning. The, both him and Tai Chi, I feel yeah. like, could be broken off and use the singles competitors. It's pretty incredible, like, the system they have here in New Japan, where they're just, like, moving people off the roster, and, like, the only guy who seems like he has, like, missed out on the, the boat has been, like, Ishii. Pretty much, yeah. Ishii... Yeah, because like even someone like Goto has like enough accolades. Like Kevin Kelly rattles him off every time he comes out. Like it's not like he's Goto's not necessarily like a Tanahashi or Okada, but at least he's won some significant things. Uh, Cursely to someone like Ishii, which I don't know, maybe like the Never Belt. I'm trying to think of like what the yeah, best he's such a boss he's though. Like, like imagine being Ishii. Like you wouldn't want anything else. Like you're the fucking True. stone pit bull, man. Yeah, that you guy every belt. looks like a mobster. Um, and then the first match is Takahashi versus El Fantasmo, and I mean Hiromu, of course. This My is prediction is this will be one of your favorite matches of the night. My prediction is that I'm already confused that there's someone called El Fantasmo and El Fantasma in NXT. I was like, did Fantasma come over here? But it's Fantasmo. Fantasmo, uh, yeah, he's like a Bullet Club member. Cool. He's he's thick, like kind of um he he's like maybe Osprey esque in his moveset, and then also is very heelish and will do like other people's finishers. 
trying it's been a while since I've seen El Phantasmo since he's been out. Uh you know, not not a part of the G one and then he was in the Super J Cup, but I did not watch the bat. Uh so if I'm not mistaken, the winner of this match goes on tonight too to face Taiji Ishimori. Yes. That's gonna be sick, whoever that is. I hope well, it's that'll Hir- be interesting either way, yeah. Hope it's uh, Hiromu. When did Hiromu lose to Taiji? That must have been at a time that we were not watching okay interesting literally the first like i guess i i typically don't actually watch world tag league but i do always watch best of the super juniors this is the first time i didn't watch best of the super juniors um must have been just before that tournament since uh hiromu yeah i don't know i don't know i don't know we have sonata versus evil um this is night two it's night two this is a grudge match this is the match we've been... Uh, Sonata, another guy who's going to be at the top of the card. Um, I'm not looking forward to this match. <laughs> because I haven't enjoyed any evil matches. But I do love Sonata. And this is like the right match to book evil into. I'm so glad I, evil's out of the title absolutely. picture here. Yeah, it uh, needs to be like... Just put him in stuff like this. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. Hopefully that'll be good. I am really looking forward to the never open weight championship match takagi versus jeff cobb this could go either oh, way dude yeah i think cobb might win it actually i also um, would not be surprised if cobb they need to split apart the intercontinental and iwgp titles uh i feel like well yeah you gotta put the intercontinental on master wato <laughs> is he on the card strap the rocket yeah, oh, he's, yeah he's with taguchi taguchi yeah, gooch and him are facing el desperado and kanemaru um, no offense to the funky weapon Taguchi or Kanemaru and Desperado, but that is very much a skippable match. That's very that is not a Wrestle Kingdom match, but I guess there has to be openers, right? Yeah, that's an opener. Uh, we've talked about these ones, uh, and then wow, night two is not looking hot to be honest. Cobb and Takagi is going to be good. Evil Sonata, and then Evil Ishimori. Sonata. If Dick Togo didn't get involved, could potentially yeah, be good. You're absolutely you know, right. There's going to be so much interference in that match, probably. Uh, you know, in looking at a lot of it, though, yeah, I wonder if we'll see, like, a lot of this, a lot of the main stories of this year have been about uh, LIJ, and now this, looking at the card altogether, it's very much a LIJ Bullet Club card. Right, so it'll definitely then be Taiji, who's in the Bullet Club, versus um, Hiromu. Hiromu from Los Ingobernables. Um, Jay White of the Bullet Club versus uh, probably Koda, who's not in anything, right? He's like the lone wolf. Team New Japan. Yeah, nothing. Team Just, New Japan. Yeah, nothing. Little, what a I loser. Mean, everyone who's not in a faction. Sonata versus line. Evil. That is Bullet Club versus LIJ. But uh, do you think, so with Jay White versus Bushi, I feel like they, it seems to me that they should be doing, they should eventually, and they've hinted at it, do some kind of like bullet club disintegration. Like maybe evil costs Jay White the title. Oh, interesting. I don't know if that takes away from Ibushi's I mean, win. it absolutely does, but you're already taking away from Ibushi's win by having him win on night one. So, and just, I, and you, like you were saying how Hiromu is like a guarantee for night two, if they're doing LJ versus bullet club. But I also think if, Phantasma wins on night one and you have Bullet Club versus Bullet Club, that could be a story for Wrestle Kingdom is like Oh, that's interesting. 
bullet club kind of splintering off because it almost is like too big to be one faction at this point um, and then you have um the other feud is chaos versus uh the, empire i gotta say i wasn't like super hype about this card before we looked over it but it's, it, gonna, be fun to it's gonna be really good and it's not too I it think, doesn't look too long either i'm actually like really psyched about that it only seems to be like six matches per, per yes. side that's yeah. awesome because, like, New Japan is, like, sometimes it's too much of a good thing. Like, those five-and-a-half-hour <laughs> wrestling. Like, they're great, and they're, they're paced very well. But, you know, you can only enjoy so much wrestling. Dude, exactly. Yeah, I, I actually, I think the break, I mean, I just legitimately didn't have time this month between moving and working on different illustration projects to watch New Japan. But uh, the break in watching New Japan, it, well, it's nice. It's got me hyped up for Wrestle Kingdom. And like I mentioned previously, World Tag League is not something that I have typically ever watched anyways. So, like, that's really the only thing that we missed apart from, I bet, I bet Pass of the Super Juniors has some stuff that we all, or that you and I missed that we could go back and watch if we wanted to. But, yeah. you know, we're entering a new year. And hopefully, yeah, like they, the, the storylines in New Japan, I'm obviously always willing to give Gato and wherever this is all going, the benefit of the doubt, because most of the time things pay off how you, I am at least first for me personally, things have paid off how I hope they would in most instances in new Japan, evil turning on Naito was maybe the one thing that I could think of where I was like, it makes sense. I get it, but I don't really like it very much. What do you think think are the chances of a heel Jay white reigning Supreme? I don't think it's the worst use of that spot, but I think it does a huge disservice to Ibushi. Also, though, I feel like Ibushi's... It's almost like Ibushi, in the same way that Drew McIntyre had his big moment, like he should have had his big moment at a WrestleMania with a huge crowd. Like He, he beat Brock at WrestleMania in a random like soundstage, basically. I know, but it's like, guess, like, how long can you put that off for? You can't put that off for a year. No, yeah, at a certain point, you just got to do it. So with that being said... I think Ibushi wins. Yeah, I agree. Like, you can't stop. They can't put stories on hold just because Tokyo Dome isn't sold out. Uh, Yeah, totally. Speaking of things we didn't watch, we did not watch WWE TLC, although I would have liked to see uh, Drew Max versus AJ Styles. Um, Although that, that went on first. That would have annoyed me. But ended with Bray Wyatt being burned alive. Uh, The visuals coming out of that were very sick, and I regret maybe a little bit not watching it. I mean, that looked wild. Uh, Yeah, but yeah, it was cool that at some point it was obviously Bray Wyatt was on fire, but then at the end it was just like Randy Orton burning a Bray Wyatt puppet, basically. Oh, yeah. Did Uh, you watch some YouTube clips of it? I did, yeah. But I didn't watch any of the matches. Don't feel like we missed much. We did watch Survivor Series. It did suck. Um... The Survivor Series matches were just completely not considered. Um, I think, you know, Reigns versus McIntyre was was fun, but yeah, it was... Oh, and uh, no, that was awful. Bobby versus Sammy was just absolutely the drizzling shits. But uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's... Really, it's coming down to this Royal Rumble for me. It's like, I'm going to watch that Royal Rumble, and if like Big E or Keith Lee or someone wins... You've bought like a couple months with me, but 
I that's what's gonna it's that's gonna happen. Like cut to like a month from now or whenever it's usually I always said I wasn't gonna I wasn't gonna stop, but like we skipped two pay per views like over the last couple of months and it like didn't yeah. feel weird. We stopped watching NXT completely. Um just because like uh, the cards just didn't look great and I just like uh, I, I don't care about Pat McAfee enough to like tune in. Like that's it started as a a project for pro wrestling enthusiasts, but it's sounding like a project for uh, people who haven't had enough time to watch wrestling recently. But also, yeah, like I would say, <laughs> that, no, we're we're I'm just getting this out of the way so we can talk about the stuff we did watch. What what and also just you know the 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 high points that AEW is currently hitting is almost like fulfilling all of my joy with professional wrestling. It's it is like, interesting because it's, when you it's watch, so, it's so good when you watch in JPW, it's a very different thing. It's not, I mean a little bit of with obviously what's his fuck. Um, what's his face? Um, the dummy. Watto? No. <laughs> <laughs> talking about? The guy who ties people up. What'd you say? <laughs> <laughs> the guy who ties people up. Oh, Toroyano. Yeah, I know, yeah. Okay, what? All right, let me just take this over. Um, yeah, so NJPW, it's a very different thing. It's, it's other than a little bit of Yano, it's, it's, it's not very sports entertainment at all. It's like treated more of as a sport. It looks more like an MMA or something like that as far as entrances and stuff go. Um, AEW, though, having been promised to be like a more sports-focused program, is leaning in very heavily to the sports entertainment, um, especially this year with like the aforementioned uh, Jericho MJF like sing along with like um, a lot of sillier gimmicks and sillier sort of storylines. Um, and so yeah, as as I, I I thought that was going to annoy me, I thought I was going to be like, oh, why are we not getting this? But it's like, oh, it's like no, now I kind of don't have to watch WWE anymore because you're kind of hitting all the dumb things I wanted out of wrestling, and then if I want something a little bit more hardcore, I can watch GCW. If I want something a little bit more sports-based, I can watch NJPW. And it feels like I'm, I'm getting all my needs uh, serviced. Yeah, I feel the same way with the three, you know, we, you and I and Thomas pretty much watch all of those things simultaneously, New Japan, AEW, and GCW, and with those three promotions, it's like, what more could you want wrestling-wise? Yeah. Like, Especially just with where AEW is, and sure, New Japan is at a, a, a low point for me, my interest personally. But I'm sure something's going to happen that's going to hook me again, either at Wrestle Kingdom or at New Beginning. And I mean, and, it's not like you're watching the G1 and there isn't like a <laughs> bunch of amazing matches you're seeing. Like right, the match quality is high. You're, what you're yeah, talking about is booking, right? With WWE, it's like the booking is shit, and now the wrestling is shit. And the only reason we were showing up was for people like you know. Alistair Black and AJ Styles, and like Alistair Black's just being completely buried, and you know, AJ Styles not necessarily, other than just fight, fighting Drew, not necessarily in the title picture. So, yeah, it's 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 getting harder and harder to see like where that fits in. Do you think? Uh, but the Royal Rumble, like that, pulls me back in every year, and I'm gonna watch WrestleMania, obviously. But yeah, dude, it's like I don't know. Yeah, I, I guess like with. How like you, you were saying how AEW is like hit kind of hitting on like a sports entertainment sort of uh, tip, yeah. At the moment, and I feel like that 
it's true and it's almost like they have all of us as viewers and not to say that they're now like forget you guys it's like because this past week the last time we watched had plenty of hard-hitting sick g1-esque action um but it's almost like yeah they have us and now it's like how can they strengthen their audience and grow it more so that they're yeah. doing these storylines that aren't even very much like dominant storylines they've been peppered in over the last maybe month between full gear and uh the end of december we've gotten different storylines like Shaq has appeared a couple yes. times and has been teased <laughs> as being in a match and it's like how much how many minutes of dynamite has that even like taken place on like maybe like you know probably five to ten minutes of i'd say four, ten yeah five dynamites yeah yeah probably ten given the um the first promo that happened where oh, it was yeah. like Shaq is the one that I'm the giant I'm speaking of that lasted a, a little while. Shaq but, is the giant I'm speaking of. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> 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 just it's totally like <laughs> if <laughs> like if dialogue, we named episodes like, the way that other podcasts named episodes, this episode would be called Shaq is the giant I'm speaking of. <laughs> dude totally uh, oh my i'm definitely not going back because if she doesn't say that i'm going to be so disappointed gotta cut that out as a future drop i don't have my uh drop keyboard set oh up here. thank god um, yeah but anyways like i like with that and then just with the check we've been checking in with sting every week there are just like <laughs> we've been checking in, like us personally <laughs> yeah i'm checking in with sting yeah he seems okay but i don't know i'm gonna call him again just to make sure he's not too yeah. lonely shivani let us know that he's okay um, hey, I heard on Dynamite uh, this week, um, Tony Schiavone might talk to Sting. <laughs> <laughs> I am getting tired of seeing that graphic. And yeah, tonight, he, he Tony Schiavone will be talking to Sting. Like, what's Sting going to say? Like, he's like the most boring talker in the world. I love the guy. <laughs> but when he came on, he was like, oh, man. <laughs> I was like, this is what Sting sounds like. What did Siobhan say about him? Like he was the most boring guy or something? He's, I think she said something like this. He sounds like an accountant. Yes, like it's that. exactly that. Yeah. 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 Well, I mean, it's, yeah. Well, it's cool that we're checking in with him every week, but like, can he, be, <laughs> he could be doing something else. Like, couldn't he be hanging out backstage? Or like, no, he's got to be talking to Tony in the middle of the ring. Like with Darby Allen up in, I guess we don't know if they're like aligned together. or if Here's my favorite setup for a sting moment. They're like, Tony's going to be talking about Sting. Cut to <laughs> the middle of the ring. Tony is standing there with Cody for some reason. And Tony's like, hey, Cody, what do you think about Sting? He's like, well, let me tell you. And then it's like Sting's music hits. And then he comes out. I'm like, what the fuck did you bring Cody out here for? <laughs> we knew it was a Sting-Tony segment. Like, you're just doing it just so Sting can interrupt him. Uh, that was fucking weird. All, yeah, there's a little bit of stuff going on right now where I'm like, yeah, the shack and the sting, I'm like, all right, don't jump the shark too much, guys. Like, don't be too much WWE. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there was that great Jurassic Express match that happened. There were oh, quite a yeah. few singles matches that have happened recently, too, that uh, like Uno versus Dustin was really good. Totally. Uh, Butcher versus Pac. That was Dude. like the end of the year, like. Holy shit. That was awesome. There's been some some great opening matches. Uh, and speaking of just like building um, some new stars, um, 
the position that they've given to Top Flight and the Acclaimed over oh the past God, yeah. month has been absolutely fantastic. Dude, Top totally. Flight ripped it up. Their match against the Young Bucks was one of my favorite matches. One of my favorite opening matches of the year. I gotta say, I do sometimes wane a little bit in the second hour of Dynamite, especially when they put on their like perfunctory women's match with like not much story. Um, and some of these, yeah, some of these matches like SCU, where I'm a little bit bored. There's like a Kaz match that I definitely would Yeah, like. but uh, God damn it, like one of my favorite things in the world has to be the opening match of Dynamite. Like, yes. Yeah, more, like more than not, is, they're both pumped up. There's no commercial breaks. It's usually yeah. a fucking tag match. That spot has had some of my favorite matches of the year, and it's just so much fun to see what's going to be in that spot. Like, because you know it's going to be a banger. Like whatever it is, yeah. whether it's like a uh, Wardlow Luchasaurus like lumberjack match or a fucking high flying match of Top Flight versus the Young Bucks. Um, yeah, just like just such a great spot. But we've been kind of burying the lead here. I guess if we had recorded this podcast three weeks ago, all we would be talking about right now is the belt collector, Kenny Omega. Oh my god, yeah. What a storyline. Did not expect it to... You know, no one could have guessed that that was going to be what Kenny's storyline trajectory would be. So did you think... To become a heel and to align himself with Impact Wrestling. Okay, so going into this match, we definitely saw that he was a heel... But did you think he was going to cheat to beat John Moxley? No, I see because, and I think most people felt this way. Maybe you did as well. Where it's like, well, we're just going to see them put on a crate. This is like we've been waiting to see Kenny put on a crazy big match. Yeah. So, so let's see this like sick, like forty to sixty minute G one classic between him and Moxley, and. They gave us something we didn't know we wanted, which is seeing Kenny Omega traverse the world yeah. collecting while he collects belts and it's mentioned on their TV show. Do you think that it just seems like they, if they were going to turn him heel, he had to win by cheating, right? He had, and he had to do something different. Like, I don't think he could have turned heel and just become like all of the stuff leading up to it was to make us think the cleaner was returning. Yeah. But there had to be something. New Japan, the cleaner, Kenny Omega. And that that was what I think most of us were expecting. And then to kind of uh, divert into this new collector persona where he's not really aligned with anybody except Don Callis and the Good Brothers. By the way, Don Callis has been an absolute icon on the mic. Like, such a good... I'm so happy to see him incorporated into this. Yeah. And like I've been, oh go ahead. Oh, I was gonna say like like you had said, Cody is not. It's not. Uh, sorry, Kenny is not a bad talker. He's a he's a no. different promo, but it is great to have someone who is more of a classic like shit talker to be able to speak for 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 someone as arrogant as Kenny. Kenny would have done fine promos and has done fine promos, but yeah, Don Callis is on a completely different level, and it's just such a like I don't know. Th- throughout all of this, I've been kind of like wondering. Like, I because I used to listen to his podcast with Lance Storm, uh, Killing the Town, right? Uh, like a while ago, back when he was kind of like scheming with Jericho and Omega, pre New Japan, that kind of stuff. Like that, uh, that podcast I, I liked a lot, and it was cool hearing him talk about like sort of like why he helped book that match. And 
since AEW has like come into existence, I've been wondering like, how does Don Callis feel? Cause he's kind of like cast away an impact. I mean, he's running impact. That's a huge job. Like he's, I, I've always wondered, like, I wonder if he feels like I want to be with Kenny in AEW. I want to be cool in the driver's that, seat. Right. And it's cool that he's incorporated into the storyline in a way uh, that he's just like been patiently so many, waiting in, so many ways in the, it makes in the so wings. Much sense that this is where the story went. Yeah. It's like Jericho and Kenny are in AEW. He's very close friends with both of them. So why would he not at some point be interjected into some kind of storyline, either involving Omega or Jericho? We could have never guessed that though. It's a, it's such a cool, such a cool thing. And now he's going to, I guess he's not facing, he's, he's going to be at hard to kill, but it's in a trios match, right? Yes. I'm a little bit disappointed with like what they've done since they've gotten eyes on uh, Impact. Like mm. AEW has been fine, but Impact, I don't know. We both watched that first week. They had way more eyes on the program and it didn't seem that good. Not to be. Yeah, I mean, it's like it's similar in my, my viewing experience, at least to MLW and NWA, where it kind of is like matches if you want to watch wrestling matches. Yeah. Kind of, kind of almost like watching Dark in a way like right and even and not even like dark now because i feel like AEW dark now has a lot of like they have like Britt baker's segment and a lot of different like subtle storytelling is happening on there for sure <laughs> thomas but, is always so pissed at me he's like why do you act like dark is like a death sentence mark <laughs> i was like because i don't watch it thomas um, but like during the the earlier episodes of this podcast when you were putting it on and it was kind of just like an yeah. onslaught of 12 different matches that were I just honestly just preferred it when there was less matches. Like, yes, I don't like how many matches there are. Cause I don't like that feeling of like, okay, match, 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 match. I would prefer just a second program that was like, was a little bit more of a mix between matches and like promos. But that's at least how I felt watching impact was yes. how you felt watching dark. hundred percent. 100%. Like, just kind of like, we're watching these matches, and it's kind of cool seeing some of these people we haven't seen in a minute, like from WWE or from different indie uh, promotions. But yeah, I don't know. It's like, it's kind of what we were just saying previously, though. It's like, we caught you and I have sort of the promotions we're invested in at the, at the moment, and maybe perpetually with GCW, New Japan, and uh, AEW. So it's like, to make more time to watch other things too and then actually genuinely be invested i mean i guess i would watch him i would continue to watch impact if i was invested in it but yeah i don't know the the, the uh not not currently interested but i would it'd be cool if kenny wins the title oh that would be sick i i i just hope that when the good brothers fight the bucks it's on aw tv yeah i yeah, i don't know it's a good question i, I imagine they're not going to do any co-pay-per-views, I don't think. They're not going to do any super cards. I don't think so either. I could, Yeah, it seems like probably maybe we'll get like a trios match. Maybe that trios match is like a test to see how Kenny and the Good Brothers are working together on Impact. And then maybe that'll be brought over to uh, AEW and the Bucks and somebody will feud with Kenny and the Good Brothers. Yeah. That's... I think it's perfect to have the Bucks feud with Kenny. I think that's really cool. And... Like how sick is it going to be to see? I mean, we've their match at Revolution this year was incredible, one totally. of the best of the year. So I think kind of building in, they built in a story that allows the Bucks to sort of feud with Kenny, which is really cool. Like a singles match between either of them, 
Like either Man, of the Bucks. I would love Kenny. to see Nick Jackson versus Kenny. Because Nick yeah, versus Fenix was sick. so good. John, is it weird that the thing I'm most excited to talk to you about is a 30-year-old WCW pay-per-view that I'm pretty sure you hated? <laughs> uh, I guess so. I mean, I would, yeah, I, probably because I was most excited to talk to you. I think I was most excited to talk about like the current state of Dynamite. But, dude, I could see why I didn't like WCW that much when I was a kid, at least this WCW that we watched. And I feel like this is like... I'm treading on some, uh, like, some sacred, sacred territory, ground. but, like, I did not like this version of WCW when I was a kid because it's like watching my dad and all his friends fight each other. <laughs> I got like, that feeling very hard in the opening match where flying Brian Pillman came out, and that was awesome, and then he was fighting the nature boy Buddy Landell. <laughs> I was like, who is this fat fuck? Like, Buddy Landell definitely sounds like someone my dad... My dad's a mailman, or yeah. was a mailman who's retired now. It sounds like someone he's like going would go golfing with. Like, I I, I thought know, your dad man, was yeah, a DJ. A these, like, I know this is like these are the luminaries. Is your dad not a DJ? Things that we love, like so many of these people, like Dirty Dutch Mantel, Doug Furness, <laughs> Wild Tommy Rich, Harley Race, and Harley Race was sick. But like, yeah, I've not watched a lot of this era of WCW, and I don't know, man. Yeah, I, I don't know I, what I, it was. What was it? I found this. Eminently more enjoyable than that Survivor Series that we watched. I don't think that if I kept watching WCW pay-per-views from this era, it would like continue that way. But it was just like the treat of seeing a bunch of people who I don't know, people who I do know in different contexts. I just enjoyed like I just enjoyed it like I just enjoyed it as an aesthetic object watching it. Like Mike Rotunda versus the Iron that, yeah. Iron Sheik was one of the worst matches I've ever seen. But, like, I didn't hate watching it. No, and, like, if you were to say, like, to tell me, like, for the next, like, two months we have to watch, like, a show a week of either this era or the WWE 1998 Survivor Series, I would rather watch this era for sure. And there was a lot that I definitely enjoyed on this show. I just, but- I took so many notes on here. I love this. During the Dutch Mental Doug Furness match... The commentator, I don't know if it was JR, just like, oh, no way up, but no way but up for Doug Furness. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no way, no way but up. And after watching this for like probably four or five matches, Siobhan was in the room while I was watching it. She was like, what are you watching? Who are all these old men? It was what is three this? matches in a row of older vets trying to ground strong athletic football players with really boring names, like Mike, like yeah. Captain Mike Rotunda and stuff. Um, man, Dutch Mantel, I had heard of this guy and I'd seen him like <laughs> later. He was so fucking hairy, man. Did you like, did you? I, yeah, I've, I've seen pictures of him. So I, I did not realize what to expect, he, but I could expect he, it to be pretty like shocking. He yeah. makes, he makes Mick Foley look like Timothy Chalamet. <laughs> Dude. Well, like, I guess as we're kind of diving into the different matches we watched this night, how much of this era have you watched, if at any zero? Like zero. Yeah, same. Because I, I was three when this came out, and around this time was what, like 1990, 1990, 1990, 1992 is around when I my parents definitely started like showing me wrestling. Like when I was like four, so like in nineteen ninety one or two, that was like when I went to my first like wrestling show live, and definitely is one of my earliest memories 
of being alive, but I was watching WWF, which had a lot of like big characters and I could see why this would get turned on and I would be like, none of these people are characters and they all look like my dad. Like, very, I don't know. Yeah, like, very, very interesting. I could totally see that. And the, the stuff that I have seen from this era is WWF. Like I've seen like, you know, WrestleMania, I don't know if it was seven or eight, but like around the early nineties, um, man, there was an insanely good Jim Cornette promo on this that like reminds you like how good he is. Yeah. Yes. There's quite, yeah, yeah, totally. And just a lot of other great like wrestling moments, like Harley race in what I'm saying, that being said is that these are all look like they're my dad's friends. Harley race looks like that, but in a way where it's like, that guy is scary and I don't think I'm going to mess with him. Like yeah. he's got like a few tattoos, just like throws wild punches. And I, I, I do really like that the uh, undercard for this match or this, sorry. Uh, do we, I don't even think we, do we say we watched great American bash 1990? Oh shit. Yeah. Started. This is WCW, the great American bash, the new revolution, which I chose because it was sort of the, um, the sort of crowning moment for sting. Yes. Well, that's why we watched this. We kind of, uh, very deleted the premise of it, but we, with Sting debuting in AEW and us being excited about it, uh, we wanted to watch uh, like an important moment from Sting's career that neither of us had seen, and it was between this and then another uh, show that had matches I had seen, uh, like Sting versus Muda. Um, yeah, I, yeah, I'm gonna so. I'm gonna admit that I googled this for about thirty seconds before I chose. I literally to- chose, I-, I googled best Sting matches, I saw Sting versus Ric Flair, and I saw Great American Bash, and I was like, that's 30 years ago, yeah, let's watch that. That's about as much thought as I put into it. I definitely could have picked a better pay-per-view, but I don't know if I could have picked like a more WCW pay-per-view, like more WCW yeah. in the 90s pay-per-view. You have Midnight Express versus the Southern Boys, which I know you only liked, I loved it, like I absolutely loved this match. It was cool to see like like a flying crossbody gets like such a huge ovation. There's just like, sometimes when you watch old up. matches like that, it's like when you watch like um, Randy Savage versus um, Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. Like they hit, they they're they're not hitting a lot of like huge moves. It's not like a like, but it's a work rate classic in its own way. And it's like, yeah. Um, oh well, yeah, for the time period, yeah, yeah. it's like and I got absolutely lost in this one. There was only two matches on this card that I actually liked this in the main event, uh, Ric Flair versus Sting, which I probably overrated a little bit just because it was like, had a lot of fun energy going into it. Um, but seeing Big Van Vader's first WWE match oh, dude, coming out in that sick. huge helmet chest piece. Yes. And absolutely. like Big Van Vader, like what a name, like never a better name. Man, dudes with attitude versus the four horsemen. That was one of the worst things I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> and then you get to see Taker four months before he debuts in WWE. Me Callis with Paulie Dangerously as his manager. With fucking Paul Heyman. Like, this, it was <laughs> such a blast for the past. It's a cool time capsule. for Like, I, I, like regardless of how much I like enjoyed it, I enjoyed watching it in general, like, I just, like, I couldn't believe yeah. that four months before Taker debuted in um, WWE, he was, like, fighting... Mark Callis. Well, he was fighting, like, for the U.S. Championship. I had yeah. just figured he was, like, a non-entity on the WWE roster because Ole Anderson told him he would never draw a dime in this business. Oh, yeah. 
So I just didn't know he, like, I didn't expect to see him so prominently placed, like, versus Lex Luger. Yeah. Like, did, were you were you surprised about that, or did you know that? I had read some, like, online articles about Taker prior to his WWE. Like, he, he there was something that I read about him, um, I, like, him filling in for some, like, one of the like twin towers or something like that. He he was on a show. That's I how I see him. Like I see him as filling in for one of the twin towers. Right. Well, Not like, like fighting like, Lex I, Luger I, I, for the U.S. title. Point. Yes. No. I I haven't thought of like Taker. I guess the, the gravity of that hasn't like. Or like sort of the meaning of that, like him being not Undertaker in a title match, was really cool. Yeah, I I just did not know that that was a thing. I just assumed he was like on the very undercard of the thing. They were like, "You'll never draw a dime." And then he went to uh, WWE because you know uh, Jim Ross like loved him. Although Jim Ross was at WWE, I don't know how that worked. But anyway, I I just thought that was cool. Everything else was pretty much shit on this card. Oh, also a little historic moment. So that's four months before Taker's debuts. Um, the last match, Sting versus Flair, only two months after RoboCop debuted in WCW. So, just, dude, why is he getting the title shot? Just Sting's getting pushed over RoboCop. Uh, <laughs> also, this is a, just a little over a year after Ric Flair versus Steamboat three. So, Flair won back the title mm. from Steamboat um, on that last match and then um there was the great american bash 89 and then a year later this is so flair's been the dominant champion for about a year before sting comes in and uh sort of unseats him and uh starts to rule wcw in the early i will say that i like it's cool the thing that i enjoyed most about watching this pay-per-view is sort of seeing how like when we watch a a current pay-per-view uh like say full gear a lot like the main event usually has to be the biggest match, the wildest match. It's usually like a collection of all, like a pastiche of all of the different big spots that have happened prior, maybe some new ones, and uh, really is like the perfected. Usually, the main event is the perfected version of modern wrestling. And in this, that's how I felt with Sting versus Ric Flair. A lot of those big spots that got huge ovations earlier were done in this match, also to huge ovations. Yeah, and it's cool to see that sort of like. Um, formula has not changed the only thing that has changed is the moves have gotten wilder uh and more diverse which uh you know is a is a good thing and uh is an interesting sort of thing to like sort of like compare the two in terms of uh this being like a time capsule i loved seeing sting versus rick flair um as documented on this podcast i have not watched tons of rick flair matches uh so it was cool to see the two of them go at it uh, at, at such a, a huge event. Um, yeah, I overall enjoyed watching it. Uh, there's just a few moments where I got like a little fatigued with sort of the, in a similar way to um, WWE, WWF SummerSlam 98, where there's just like so many matches that it's like, there was a lot of... I think there was even more matches on that Survivor Series card, which is maybe what fatigued me. I think what gave me energy this time is I watched this Great American Bash on a Saturday afternoon, or Saturday morning, like as if a, like a cartoon, whereas I watched Survivor Series in like prime time, like a movie. Oh, dude, I did, yeah, I did the same thing. For <laughs> at least WCW. Yeah. So I that, put it on when I woke up. That helped me a little bit. But um, speaking of Ric Flair matches and you not watching many of them, You've watched 
another Ric Flair match from your classic match review. Isn't that right, John? I've watched the trilogy, my friend. <laughs> I actually recently watched all of the Star Wars movies, too, but I'm not talking about Star Wars. I'm talking about Ric Flair versus Ricky the Dragon Steamboat 3 at Wrestle War 1989, May 7th. Three judges are at ringside of this prestigious affair. The announcer booms that this match is for the World Heavyweight Championship. Six-time World Heavyweight Champion Luthez, Pat O'Connor, the only man from New Zealand to ever be crowned champion, and the myth, the legend, Terry Funk, are all introduced to resounding cheers. Steamboat is met with huge fanfare as the announcer crackles out an introduction. Flair and Steamboat are off with a series of lightning-quick collar and elbow tie-ups. They circle each other around the ring as Steamboat gets the upper hand with a series of arm drags. Flair and Steamboat both slap each other hard, and the ref pulls them apart as Flair yells woo and is met with a woo from the crowd that reverberated through in a warm tone. The announcers note that Steamboat is the only man to make Ric Flair tap as Steamboat wrenches a hammerlock. Steamboat hits a series of maneuvers that builds to a huge drop kick that knocks Flair from the inside of the ring to the outside of the ring and onto the judges. Flair is down and out as Steamboat awaits in ring. Both of these storied champions gain the upper hand at various points throughout this match, with the master of the figure four seeming to come out as a dominant wrestler quite a few times. The ending of this match is wild as you don't see it coming. Flair and Steamboat both exchange a series of hard chops, but Flair hooks an inside cradle, and on May 7, 1989, the Nature Boy Ric Flair wins to become the sixth-time world heavyweight champion. You may have thought this was the end of my review of this classic match, but as Ric Flair is being congratulated in-ring during a post-ring promo with Jim Ross, one of the judges saunters in. It's none other than the wild one, Terry Funk, who wrestles the Nature Boy to the outside and hits a devastating pile driver onto a table. The show ends with Terry Funk yelling at the crowd to look at Ric Flair as the new champion is left in an obliterated pile on the outside. I loved the ending of this match. I liked the presentation and sort of foreshadowing that happened throughout with like Luthez and Terry Funk and Pat O'Connor ringside. And then I didn't, I didn't expect, cause you've been hyping up this trilogy so much. So like, it's like, in considering that, it's like, oh, this is a self-contained story. This is these three matches between Ricky the Dragon, Steamboat, and Ric Flair. You don't expect to see... The Funker. Coming in. And I want to watch them fight each other now. Totally. And I'm going to. Absolutely. Uh, and I don't have a classic match for you, so maybe we both should just watch Terry Funk versus Ric Flair whenever yeah. that happens. Let's do it. And then I'll review uh, that. We, yeah, yeah. And that, I'll watch it and we could talk about it. That sounds uh, sick. Which, which was your favorite of the trilogy? Oh, that's a good question. I think the two out of three falls match. Yeah, I, I don't know. Like after watching them all, yeah, like just the way that one builds, I really liked a lot. Um, this one, I liked. I would say the the least of the three was this last one, but only I would say only because I think that it was like almost in service of a bigger story that they were telling with another wrestler as well. Um, yeah. Whereas, like. Like the first and second <coughs> meetings of these two wrestlers really felt like it was only about the two of them and no one, no one else. So I don't know. Yeah, uh, like that they were the only two people that mattered and in the whole world. I don't world. know. Yeah, 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 <laughs> totally. Um, but yeah, dude, that's that was uh, our year in 2020. This has been a fun year of podcasting, man. Like it's been great. Uh, 
definitely been a highlight of my 2020 for sure. I'm glad that we we started it. It's made Dude, this year way more bearable for me. Uh, 20 episodes in 2020. Yeah, that's a great. It's a it's a good good number to round the year out with. Uh, in terms of uh, formatting for the year to come, we're gonna aim to release two episodes a month. Uh, you know, regularly now we're kind of. I mean, I guess as regularly as we can. We both, uh, you know, try to put this out in a way that makes sense uh, for both of our schedules, since it's done on top of everything else. Honestly, I think we would have had the new episode two weeks ago if uh, my mic hadn't broken. Yeah, we sat down. We did sit down to record like the maybe like the fourth night that I was in Kansas City. We sat down to yes. record an episode, so we would have had we had a holiday episode plan that kind of had to be put on hold because yeah. uh technical issues but you know it's the first year we'll be back it's first year we don't make any money for this like no one's yeah. no one's paying us this is we have complete other <laughs> jobs other than this so um but yeah we're uh torture act issue five will be incoming at the first quarter of 2021 uh a lot of cool stuff lined up for it mark and thomas both are working on some cool things for it uh, yeah i've I pivoted have, from uh my uh, first year of AEW to just uh, 2020 review because it's just what I'm thinking about right now. Yeah, that's where your mind is at. And I have I have a lot of different uh, things in the works for this next issue. Um, but yeah, what uh, what do you think the year brings ahead for us, Mark? 2021 in wrestling. Should we make uh, some, pr- some, some predictions? 2021, everyone is vaccinated and <laughs> things have been improved a little bit. Let's uh, throw some predictions down. I'll give you one. I think Ibushi takes it from Wrestle Kingdom into Wrestle Kingdom. I'll add on to that and say I think Will Ospreay is challenging him at Wrestle Kingdom 2022. God. Fuck. Shit, I want that to happen so bad. Don't say it if you don't mean it. I 100% mean it, and I think that's where it's going. I think it I is, think too. We, I, my, oh, go ahead. Sorry. No, no, no. Uh, I'll give you, yeah, I'll throw it out. My, my one, I think that we will see either someone from AEW, that's actually too easy of a prediction. I think we'll see someone from New Japan in AEW this year, in 2021. Who do you think it's going to be? I don't, like, I, in my, I feel like it's Okada. Man. He's not doing anything. Oh my God. If he loses to Osprey, takes some time off, and then just shows up out of nowhere right. to challenge Kenny in AEW. Yeah. Like, give me a break. Like, I don't know. Just the more that we watch AEW, the more it just feels like Tony Khan the one, is the one that's booking everything. So, And he his mindset is basically the mindset of everyone who's like a super fan of wrestling. So it's like, what is the thing that you want to see most right now? And a lot of us would want to see Okada face Omega. God, you know, Okada AEW. Omega 5. I mean, imagine like maybe there's some kind of deal that they can cut where Okada comes to New Japan, or sorry, Okada comes to AEW and loses to Kenny on Dynamite, or on a, well, not on Dynamite, on a pay-per-view. And then, in exchange, Kenny goes to New Japan and loses to a champion, Ibushi. Like, uh, Shut up. Both of those matches would be so great. And, like, like, yeah, and also dude, culminations of like years long stories like like so many well abushi and uh, omega is still simmering and if you haven't seen omega man the documentary uh, a wrestling love story it's only like 45 minutes it's about omega abushi i still haven't seen their matches that's what my classic match should be 
like one of their matches. Oh, dude. I'm not trying yeah, to do your sure. fucking job for you. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, we maybe both you we could we could do like a pastiche of a few different matches we both haven't seen uh, and talk about them. I'll 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 be fun. we'll figure it do out for like sure, but one, old, uh, one, one new one, but Imagine, though, though, dude, Okada comes to AEW, Kenny wins, and has all of this fuel. He's at the time, maybe he is still AEW champion, he's won the Impact title, he has the AAA title, and he's beat Okada, and then he goes to New Japan to beat Ibushi, and Ibushi wins. I think that it's like a good... That makes a lot of sense, yeah. And then Kenny comes back and loses the title to whoever is going to take the title off. I think at this point, we're not doing predictions as much as we're just doing like 2021 wish fulfillment. So while we're doing that, I'll give you another one. AEW, John Moxley's next match in AEW is against Nick Gage. Oh my gosh, that would be so good. Do you think there's a chance that Gage could actually come to AEW? Or do you think he's just like more of a GCW forever no, guy? No, I think, I think we'll see him at some point. I don't think for a long time. I don't think he will. I mean, Nick Gage is one of my favorite wrestlers. He was in some of my favorite matches this year. I think he needs an unedited. He need, like doesn't need it, but his character and what he does, his intro is filled with F words. Yeah, like, so I, I don't think he would stay at AEW for a long time. He'd be unfiltered in AEW. No. He could be unfiltered in New Japan, but I don't I don't know. <sighs> Man, Nick Gage. Oh, I would love Nick Gage in like, Suzuki Goon or something. Dude, Nick Gage uh, versus Eddie Kingston. Oh, dude, yes. Just imagine yeah, the promo I, wars. Yeah, that would be incredible. I think we would see him because I thought there was like a rumor online that didn't. I thought Thomas, you might have told me that. Wasn't there a rumor online that Nick Cage was going to be the Joker until he got hurt in the Battle Royal? Or is that just a rumor? I think I told you that. Was that real? Or yeah. Is that... Yeah. So Seidel think... was a last minute replacement. Yeah, I think that that's a real possibility for sure. Um, on the uh, topic of AEW, where in the world is the tag division going? Who do you think beats the Bucks for the belts? Or who is their next feud going to be? Because they're kind of right now just building up. Uh, I'll tell you who I want to beat them for the belts, but you're not going to like it. FTR? Yeah. Why? Because they just ended that story. They, they teased a story for years had a two like had a month build or whatever, month and a half build, two months, and then just had the match and that's it. I don't know. Just feels like there's more there. There's more meat on the bone. I think that they fucked up. I think that FTR should have won, and then they get to go, see, we are the best. You think you're the fucking melts are best, but when it came down to it, look who's holding the belts. And that's a longer story that you're telling to shut up to shut up FTR. And now you have Bucks as the champions, and I'm like, where do you go now with that so- with with FTR? Do you just separate them? Like, I don't know. It just feels unfinished. I think we'll get a. I think like in time, like a lot of things in AEW, it'll like sort itself out. Maybe I really not. think it. FTR should have won, though. I don't think as much as like. I mean, I can't argue with the great matches the Bucks have been putting on. Bucks versus TH two. Bucks versus Top Flight have been fantastic. I don't know who they dropped to. Maybe it'll be like a, a, a chalk, not necessarily like a new person, but someone that you're not expecting, like TH2 or someone new. I don't think it'll be like, TH2, and I don't think it'll be someone new. I think it'll be someone who has been sort of percolating, because that's what they've been doing, right? 
Like Proud and Powerful haven't won the belt. I was just yet. gonna, dude. You just took the words out of my mouth. I was gonna say PNP. I feel like has not been utilized to their like they put on one of the sickest matches of the year in AEW in the street fight with best friends. But I feel like they have kind of just been used as ancillary players to inner circle feuds. Well, I mean, best friends have just been used as ancillary players to Orange Cassidy feuds. True. Well, that's what I mean, though. Like, yeah. I think that yeah, probably absolutely. I agree. PMP, best friends. Butcher and Blade, even, I think. Butcher and Blade would be a great shout. I think the Lucha Bros haven't won yet, as far as I know. Like, It feels like they are... It like, feels like they were the first AEW champions because they were the <laughs> AAA champions and they were fighting the Bucks for it at the first couple AEW shows. I don't, I don't know why in history it has to be that SCU. Your dad, is, your dad and his friends yeah. are the tag team champions, first ever. I think that the Lucha Bros are on the precipice of being singles wrestlers. Yeah, like I don't. I think like it's You're, obviously yeah. been hinted at with their there's that crazy singles match they had. Yeah, uh, and then you know Phoenix v Omega. Um, they so, are as a tag team an embarrassment of riches. Yeah, there are so good at tag team. There are some tag teams you take apart and you're like, oh my god, this is gonna be amazing, like Gargano and Champa, and then they're never really quite as good outside of it. But like. Penta and Fenix, like, forget about it. Those are... Dude. Like, Penta could be top champion. Fenix could be TNT champion. Easy. Yeah, that would be very cool, actually. I would love to see Penta versus... Or, uh, Fenix versus uh, Darby Allen for the TNT title. Oh, my gosh. Yes. Yeah, for sure. Who do you, uh, who do you think beats Darby Allen for the TNT title? Like I don't under, I don't I'm not sure who like obviously like Team Taz is like hovering around it but it seems like Darby is going to beat like well he's fighting Brian Cage next I don't think Brian Cage is going to no he'll beat Brian Cage I think he'll beat Ricky Starks too I would say like Sammy Guevara maybe mm. if that's what they're doing yeah, oh, if, dude if, dude if, for long term stories telling that's great like it, they had that insane match at Revolution yeah and and, I don't know if that's indeed the story they're telling of like putting it on younger guys like the TNT title, try to build new stars. Like I could see it. Guevara is totally. insane. They would have a, they would have another great match together, certainly, but I wouldn't do it anytime soon. No, I think this is like, we're talking maybe at like all out, I guess that maybe they aren't doing title TNT title changes on pay-per-views, but if okay. they did like around the time of all out, like the dynamite after all out or something. Totally. Okay. I know you don't care about this as much, Anymore? Who wins both Royal Rumbles? Oh well, I care because it's the Royal Rumble. I think no matter I think no matter what happens with WWE, you and I will probably always watch the Royal Rumble together. No doubt. Um, I love the Royal Rumble. Same. It's so fun to watch. Uh, my hope at this point, I don't know what. Who do you have? You said earlier, Biggie and Keith Lee. I would be all in for either of them winning. Okay, the it's not going to be. Biggie, because Biggie, they just put the Intercontinental title on him. So he'll wow. definitely be defending that at WrestleMania, it looks like. And his, That's really cool. I didn't know that. I want to watch. Yeah, he beat like Sami Zayn. Man, I cannot even look at Sami Zayn anymore. <laughs> I don't know what... I don't know... How did they turn this guy into this guy who like doesn't wrestle? Like, Sami Zayn has the coolest moveset. He jumps th- through the ropes... Like at the corner and DDTs you. He's just amazing. And they just 
have him as the most cowardly, boring, like, oh my god. Like, I hate Sami Zayn now. <laughs> For the women's rumble, I would say Rhea Ripley is who I would want to win it, because I feel like she kind of has, like, I feel like at the end of last year, she was living Rocky with beating Baszler. I absolutely think that's what they should do, but if she's in NXT, I doubt they'll do it. Yeah. Oh, do you think she'll win and then come up and challenge that's somebody? She would be called that she'd win, challenge, and win again. Like, the only way like, that that's satisfying for me is if she Charlotte gets the title again, which I don't want, and then she beats Charlotte because it was a sin that they had Charlotte. Win yeah, it's like less interesting, her. or maybe not as satisfying if she beats someone like Asuka. Like, yeah. Okay, so you you predict Shannon Bates? I predict um, and hope Rhea Ripley. Rhea Ripley. I predict Bianca Belair. And I, my guess, I if I'm fantasy booking and hoping it's Rhea Ripley. If I'm putting money on it, I'm gonna say Nia Jax. Oh my god. Okay, men's <laughs> rumble. Men's. Yeah. Um, I would say Alistair Black, but I actually hope that he leaves WWE and we see him in like New Japan and AEW. Or when Paul Heyman was here, I would have put so much money on Alistair Black. He hasn't been on TV in months. Like, yeah. Well, and with Zelina Vega leaving, like he's got to have one foot out the door. I would think. I gotta uh, give it to the boy Keith Lee. Yeah, I because I, I can't think of who else it would be. I can't think of who else would fight Roman, to be honest. Like, I don't think he would be challenging um, Drew. The Rock returns and wins. Man, The Rock, like, The Rock-Roman is such a money match. I wish that was happening this year. That, no way that happens this year, though. No, yeah, no, no. There's no chance. A, not in front of no crowd. Absolutely not. Yeah. No. Um, it, yeah, with, um, with Drew... I don't know who he's, he's going to face. Did we already talk about this? Who Drew would face? Well, we talked about it a little bit. Just I think like previously, we talked about it like in terms of the long term trajectory of what we think, where we think Drew's storyline is going. But yeah, well, I don't know, man. He beat Orton. Um, he beat Ziggler. I, I really have no good guesses for who the Royal Rumble is going to be, which is why I jokingly said The Rock. Uh, he beat AJ Styles. So he can't fight AJ Styles at WrestleMania. Who is there for him to fight? Like Drew, like as a realistic, like are they going to put him against Sheamus? Well, it's pretty wild to say that, given the fact that the card or their roster is so stacked. But yeah, I'm not sure. That's unreal. Uh, but yeah, I do think Keith Lee will win, and I don't know which brand he's on. I honestly don't remember. Maybe he would have to fight Drew, but I would love Keith Lee versus Roman. That would be such a sick match. Yeah, I'd be there for it. Yeah, man, great 2020. Uh, Sick 2020. Well done. 20 episodes. We'll be, we'll be back in 2021 with two episodes a month that are hopefully dropped at like a semi-regular pace. We kind of had a wild end of the year. He's basically talking to me, not not you guys, uh, when he says that. But uh, we wouldn't be here without the Wolf Pack. That's the you. And now, now the Wolf Pack officially contains a dog in Porky. True. We Still love cold. you, Porky. You anything to say about that? Sign us off for the year. Hey, man. This dog, oh, man. I'm more of a cat person. But this dog, Porky, oh, man. He's so cute. I just want to 
slather some JR barbecue sauce and take a big bite out of his pork butt. Thanks, Steve. This has been another episode of the Torture Rack Podcast. You can follow my co-host, John F. Malta, at John F. Malta on all social media. You can follow me, Mark Basque, at Waste of Taste on Instagram. You can follow us on Instagram, on YouTube, on Patreon, on our website, and join the Torture Rack Wolf Pack.